Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, just because we have been in a series about relationships, and I chose to tackle a lot of the difficult ones uh, in the beginning of our series, Um, and I thought I did. Let me rephrase that. I thought I chose to tackle the difficult topics of relationships in the beginning of the series, but then I started to process this sermon about husbands, and then I just thought, I'm a failure. (laughs) I quit, right? in all of this whole hoopla of uh, discussions of relationships and just wanted to move on to a different um, topic. However, I wouldn't be doing us the right, um, uh, doing us any justice if I didn't tackle this one. So what I'd like to do is just over today and next week, I was going to try to do this as one sermon, but uh, you guys didn't have time for that. Uh, and you would have been giving me some weird stares if we'd been in here longer than 40 minutes because I already get those. And so I thought I would talk about husbands today, and then I'll, I'll discuss uh, the roles of women and wives uh, next week. And uh, so if, if you husbands don't amen me today, you'll amen me next week, all right? Is that a deal? And whether or not it is or not, we're going to do it that way anyway. Uh, so Ephesians uh, chapter 5, I want to talk about uh, goals for uh, as men, not just uh, for those of you who are married, but also want to talk to you single guys, uh, particularly those who are still uh, in that process of, of you know, wanting to find a, a relationship. You, you, should, you should listen and, and hear me out on a lot of this. Now, for some of you single men uh, who are content on singleness, um, and praise God for you, and you still have a role in all of this, uh, this whole message. So I uh, just want to get into that. So uh, let me talk about marriage just for a moment because uh, that's kind of an interesting topic, especially in our culture uh, today. Uh, marriage, the marriage industry is a really interesting thing. I was researching this uh, this week, and, and on uh, recent years, America has spent um, $73 billion on marriage. So there's an industry out there and there's a business out there for somebody who's an entrepreneur. Because y'all going... But the downside of it is, and here's what I found, this is kind of um, uh, weird about this study, is that uh, that number is declining uh, because the number of marriages, uh, they are declining. Unless you go to college, uh, then the marriages, they go up, right? Because you go to college to not get a degree but to what? You find your spouse. Am I alone in this <laughs> Case in point, right here. Uh, but they don't even go to school together. Um, and so you, you, it, it's a really interesting thing. Um, and if we're honest about engagements, if we're honest, and, and this is going to sound really, really offensive, but I want you to hear me out before you, you get offended on this. If we're honest, marriages and weddings are founded on yourself, and your self-desires. Now, that becomes a bad thing, all right? Now, we have, we have incredible things uh, in marriages nowadays. You have, you know, it becomes a social media um, 
party, right? With the hashtags, um, I don't know, something weird that goes along with your last name. And, and you have expensive uh, wedding rings and all of these weird things. And, and you, then you have like weird choreographed dances that really you can't dance. You're just making yourself look like a fool. Uh, but you want to do it anyway because you're trying to like do some kind of mating dance that animals do. And, and you should stop, really, unless you don't have moves like Jagger. Uh, and so... But if you, you don't, you shouldn't do that. And so we've kind of created this environment where marriages are exercised upon the fundamental belief that it is about the individual. So the problem is, and, and hear me, look, go buy the fancy ring, go do the dumb dance, go do the hashtags, whatever, on your social media and, and pay enormous amount on your wedding, which the average cost is between thirty-two dollars to $35,000, and go have your 12 vendors. I had one vendor, and her name was Tawana, and she used the other vendor. His name was Sam. <laughs> He's part of a club that you all should join before you go getting your 12 vendors and spending your mom and daddy's money that they really ain't got to spend. <laughs> My parents should have amen right there. So, baby girl, you better listen to that, honey, and take, take, your, take heed to your daddy's what's going on now at a young age. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's wrong when it's about your selfish desires, and it's wrong when it's founded upon your individualistic ideas. Because the problem is, is when you exercise your marriage and wedding on the fundamentals of individualism, that this is all about me, then you will never be fulfilled because the honeymoon goes away, but because you founded your marriage upon yourself, you're going to go find someone that will fulfill your temporary um, longing, or you'll find something to fulfill that temporary longing. And, and so automatically what we have in our culture is a crisis, not just of, of manhood, or womanhood, but really we have a crisis of our view of marriage. Now, here's what we affirm to as a church that uh, in verse 31, what you'll read in just a moment, uh, it says that for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become, what's that word? One, One flesh. And I love how Paul puts this in there. He says, and this mystery, like marriage is a mystery. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. I mean, I got some honest men up in here. The rest of y'all are liars. Y'all know Mary. That woman is a mystery. And this mystery is so profound, but I'm talking about not that of the man and woman, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Paul here is going back to a scene in the garden in Genesis where we get God's design for husbands and wives. So he creates um, Adam, and then Adam's looking around the garden, and this is the narrative that goes around in my head. Adam's looking around the garden and said, you know what the elephant ain't going to do? You know what um, the, the giraffe ain't going to do? I need, a, I need a helpmate. So God puts the man, and he gives him his anesthesia, and he puts him to sleep, and then God gives him a woman. And when Adam wakes up, he takes this piece from his side and creates this woman, and Adam goes, whoa. That's an incredible, incredible, I could take that as my helpmate. I love what's not implied in Genesis chapter 2 with the creation of man and the creation of particularly woman, that God does not use pieces from his feet to create the woman because the woman is not to be trampled on. 
He does not take neither, before you amen me, women, he does not take a piece of the man's head so that she lords over him. She does not take a piece of his back so that she's always behind him. She takes a piece of his side because she's always beside him. That's the idea. And so God's design and God's idea of this between man and woman wasn't necessarily just about marriage, but God had the view of the gospel with Adam and Eve. So with the view of the gospel here, because this is the mystery that's so profound. The mystery is is it just necessarily wasn't about the man and the creation of woman and God making them one. The mystery was that God was pointing to a coming event that was going to happen and that ultimately there would be a groom that would come for a bride. And that groom, the husband, is Jesus Christ. And one day he would sacrificially lay down his life for this woman, this bride, known as the church. And so God was giving them an incredible preview of things to come there in the garden. God's given us this idea that this is what marriage, this is a biblical template of marriage. Now, before I get into verse um, 22, look at verse 1, because this is going to just kind of uh, wreck a little bit of us in our view of a lot of things. Uh, verse 1 says, Paul, Paul gives them this introductory remark. says, be imitators of God. All right. Now, he's telling them this because what contextually is about to happen is that Paul is about to talk about relationships and particularly marriages. So Paul's saying, I need you to imitate the biblical view of relationships. Now, the issue, again, is that we want God to formulate his view around our view instead of us formulating God's view around us, right? And so what we want to do is we want to say, uh, my view of marriage is this. And, and, and I'm, I'm talking about how, how we always like to, we view marriage as like a, a contract or something. And so when things get rough and tough, uh, well, my view of marriage is that I, I'm fulfilling myself individualistic. I'm, I'm, I'm rightfully giving me what I owe. It's like I'm entitled to a happy and life where, where my wife and spouse is always at my beck and call. So we have this view of marriage, and Paul's trying to bring us back around the table and say, listen, you, your view of marriage uh, is not right, and it's not wrapping around itself the view of biblical marriage. I was reading an article from the Huffington Post. In fact, this article, uh, if you Google um, 10-year contract with marriage, you'll find a slew of articles. And, and it's this idea that's built upon the premise that um, all marriages should come with a 10-year rent-to-own contract. I'm not making this up. Don't Google it now, I, but just Google it later. So here's the idea of one of the articles that I read. There's, there's many, of, many articles about this. Since marriage is a dying thing, let's rediscover what it can be okay. because we know you're going to have issues. Yeah. So you go ahead and lay out your expectations and come year nine and a half, 
review those expectations, and if the obligations have not been met, then both parties can mutually agree or non-mutually agree to separate. This is, is what one of the articles says, this is how we will champion marriages again in our society. It's funny, isn't it? But there's a lot of people that believe that simply because it's based off of an individualistic, when things get rough type of thing, okay. I'll just go find a new spouse. Now, no judgment here, please, please. No judgment for those of you who have suffered the trauma of divorce and separation. But perhaps there is a better way for you and a better design for you that God wants to follow. And so here's Paul trying to draw his back around the table. He's like, listen, culture's gone mad 2,000 years ago. How this resonates so well to our culture and society. Today, Paul's trying to, yet again, this universal message, trying to wrap us back around saying, hey, guys, there's a better way to this thing called marriage. And so it starts with this idea of the man's role. All right, so let me talk about the man's role for just a second. I'm a man. Um, I mean, you guys knew that. It's not like something like, like I identify myself. No, I is a man, right? So, um, okay. That was bad. Hey, so I'm a dude, so I, 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 I get this kind of stuff, right? So this comes from this idea of, um, and Genesis, back to Genesis, uh, of the Imago Dei. God has created me as a man. He's created uh, male and female in the image of God. That's what the Imago Dei. So here's what the Imago Dei says. It says that you as a man and you as a woman, you have an elevated role above all things in our culture and society. Above all created things, you are elevated higher above them. That means that you are more worthy of anything that has been created on this earth as a person. As a human, as a man, as a woman, you are far more worthy. There is far more worth in view as a person than there is little foo-foo the dog the 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 horse or um or there's far more value uh, for you as a person than there is the endangered species okay and so if we if we can just be a little honest and a little frank this morning our culture has attacked that idea all of systemic issues in our culture today are a failure to recognize and to understand the omago day Think about that. Genocides. A failure to understand the Imago Dei. Rape. A failure to understand the Imago Dei. Abortion. A failure to understand the Imago Dei. All of these things that we find ourselves, racism, slavery, sex slavery, is it is a, it's an attack on the Imago Day, where we live in a culture where you can get fined $50,000 and up to life in prison for killing an endangered species, and yet it is suggested that even from the, the moron in Virginia said that you can even have the baby before the umbilical cord is cut, you could still kill the baby. You see there's an attack on the Imago Day, not just from the unborn, but from post-born. Also, the immigrant, our view of them, 
Some of us have a failed view of our brothers and sisters. It is an attack on the Imago Day. So the Imago Day is that we have an elevated view of people. So I, there's worth in you. You are worthy because you are created in the image of God, the unborn and the born, the beyond the uh, woman's womb. You are in the image of God. So that should change how we view our neighbor. That should yeah. change how we view husbands, yeah. our wives. Amen. Because your wife is also included in that Imago Day. Yeah. It should radically transform how we view relationships. Because each individual has been created in the image of God. And so in this image of God, God has created this role for a man to have this sort of uh, what we'll call headship over the female. So God creates Adam and Eve in the garden. And and I like how God doesn't necessarily just want to deal with Eve for the sin that comes into the garden. But God deals with the man because he's responsible. So here is a view of our manhood and our husbands that we are created in the image of God. And our role is that we have a headship. Now, before you get nervous and before you women be like, well, you don't know that dude. All right? I don't. But I do know some jokers that need to hear this. Okay? And so that's this ain't just for them. This is for you. And this is for you as a male. So here we go. That was a long introduction. I promise you the rest of this will go really fast. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. I gave you all like 20 minutes to get there. I hope you're there. Who is hot in here. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband, here it is, is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. There is that image of the gospel, Christ head of the church, Mel, your role is to be like Jesus here. He is the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself to her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or without like uh, that, but or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands, you are to love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Let me talk about some goals for you men and for us as husbands. In fact, I just got one goal for you, one point. Can you believe that? And one point alone. Here's what, here's what your goal is as a husband, and especially all my single ladies who are looking for um, a, a, a male counterpart and mate and all that stuff. Here's, what, here's a goal for you. That you are to be a husband 
that has godly leadership. Okay, let me put it to you in a better way because I think the word leadership can get a little sticky with some people, and and, and we all of a sudden we, we start thinking of corporate. Um, so let me let me explain it to how Jesus or, or Paul here just explained it. The husband is to have godly headship over the spouse. Now, this is not to say that there is no role for the woman to lead. That's not what this is implying, and that is, I would never would like to imply that because I know far too many women who are incredible leaders and who can do a better job than most men I know. Uh I know women who can build teams and who flourish in business. I married one. Oh. I mean, she could slap my leadership on its face because of her leadership abilities. Amen. Amen. In fact, I would suggest that the rise of our church wasn't because of my leadership abilities. It was because of my leadership inabilities and her leadership abilities. I'm trying to score some points with you, boo. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that, that she's a boss figuratively, although she is. I'm also saying that literally. So I don't think this is implying that there is no, that women should just get back in the kitchen and do their thing. Because y'all ain't met my freaking. I found that if I stick with my, my notes, I get my sermons always end up better. Headship. Here's how we, here's how we model headship, men. Here's how we do this. And he mentions a few of these words. The first one is, is provision. All right, again, I'm not implying that all women are to stay at home and that's their only role that they offer because, women, you have a job and you, you need to be in the workforce. I'm saying that for some of you who are, who are men and for some of you women who are looking for a man, stay away from the lazy ones. Because if they're lazy when you're dating them, Here it is. They're going to be lazy when you marry them. Super lazy. Stay away from them. They're like a wolf. They will drag you down. Let's talk about some men, regardless if their wife is the breadwinner. Amen? You still got work to do, and your butt needs to be going to bed tired. Now, if your boo-boo wins the lottery, that is not an excuse for you to quit your job and take up hobbies. Men, talking to men, that's for retirement. Taking up hobbies is for when you get older and you retire. You have a biblical mandate, men, to work, to provide, not just financially. So this, this, this does not imply that you give your wife everything she wants so that you go into an insurmountable amount of debt to do whatever she wants. That's not giving you the green light to do that. This is more of a provide the shelter, provide the care, provide spiritually for her, love her. This is what provision is about, men. Men, you are to provide for your spouse. Here's how you lead. Here's the first thing how you lead. You lead in provision. Now, I know there are physical limitations for some guys, and I'm, I'm not talking about you. And I know some of you are in, in retirement. Man, praise God, enjoy your retirement. All right? 
pick up a hobby. I got a hobby right now you could pick up. It's called my house. <laughs> All right. That one didn't go over well, but we'll see. They'll get better. Okay. Yeah, I was being serious. Please. Here's the other thing. Here's how you lead men. You lead spiritually. Amen. Okay? Listen, I love you. I do, man. I think about you. I pray for you. I call you. I text you. But I'm not the pastor in your home and in your residence. That's good. I'm the pastor first to that woman and to my kids. Men, you are the pastor of your house. Okay? I can't come to your house all the time. And I'll be straight with you. I don't want to come to your house all the time when there's a problem. <laughs> Men, you are the husband. God's given you the headship to lead. And your spouse is craving it. She's craving you to lead spiritually in your home. She's craving for you to lead your kids. And, and even, even when devotion time and prayer time is a complete bust, when you just want to take your kids and spank them and beat the tar out of them instead of praying for them, you still got an obligation to lead them spiritually. I ain't saying that never happens in my house. Be deep in the... <laughs> I ain't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Be deep in a serious prayer, and then Momo over here just bust out with something dumb. Yeah, you're the only Momo I know, baby. Even when the and there's sometimes I'm just like God, if these kids don't straighten up, you're just gonna have to take me now, Jesus. But your job, husbands, is to lead your the environment in your home spiritually. That's that's your job. Uh, here's here's something else. <laughs> you lead sacrificially. Why? Because we love her like Christ loved the church and gave Himself Amen. up for her. So the only crown of thorns, the only crown that you wear, men, are thorns, not of rubies and gems and say, oh, look at me, look how grand and great I am. Men, the crowns that you wore is that of thorns because you lead sacrificially. You lead your spouse and the difficulties. That, that's what leading sacrificially means. Let's, let's take it down. Uh, a notch or two, uh, leading sacrificially. So, so the spouse isn't to lead sacrificially. Right? The, the wife, that is, uh, isn't to lead sacrificially. Um, because if there's an intruder in my home, Uh-oh. I don't, I, and, you know, I am in West Point. Um, I'm, not, I'm not nudging Marina's like, go out there and see who that is. <laughs> I'll grab my gun, you give it to you, go fire it away, baby, if you got to. No, I ain't. that's not what you do. Husbands, if you do that, we need to talk, man. How good do you have it? You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. When I, if there's something, that's, that's balls right there. When, when, that's not how it is in my house. If I hear something crazy going on, I'll be straight with you now. No judgment, please. 
I'm grabbing the gun and I'm running outside. Now, I ain't going to fire it, but they're going to know you got a few seconds to get off my lawn. <laughs> and let me tell you, and I ain't playing either. That's happened a couple times. And you know what my wife, she told me one time, she said, baby, that is so sexy when you try to <laughs> run out there in your underwear with your gun. Why that embarrass me? Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she about to get me. You lead sacrificial. <laughs> you know what this also means? You, you're also the lead apologizer in the house. Amen. The lead repenter in the house. I've apologized to a lot of people in my life. My name is Matthew, and I'm not perfect. But there's probably no, not another person I'll apologize more to than my wife and my kids. Amen. Because I wear the crown of thorns, and I lead sacrificially. Now, I ain't perfect at that, honey. They know I'm not. But that's what that means I've got to do. I've got to wear that burden of being that guy. Now, I love how Paul takes us in his introduction when he's talking about marriage, that he, he, he starts with the wife. And women, when you, when you see that, I, if I was a, a female, I would almost take offense to that, to submitting uh, to a husband. But you've got to understand this context here. He's not submitting to, he, he's not telling the woman to submit to uh, a Roman view of marriage where the, the women were oppressed viewed as less thans, he's giving them a biblical view of marriage when he's telling them to submit to your, uh, your husband because the biblical view of marriage is that the wife is side by side. And so, and so you're not submitting to someone begrudgingly. You're not submitting to someone who's a jerk. You're not submitting to someone who is uh, unattractive in their headship abilities. You're submitting to someone who has a biblical view of marriage. That's the charge on the female. So, if anything, you shouldn't be offended by that statement. That should be attractive to you. That should be sexy to you when you you are viewing your man through the lenses of the gospel. Because isn't that attractive? God's view of a man... So he's telling them to submit to godly, gentle leadership. Submit to godly, gentle, strong headship. Amen. So that's the charge on the women. And, and, I, and I get some of you women, and women that Myrna and I know, they didn't, they didn't get lucky with that. That sounds horrific to them because they've lived in the house of a tyrant. And so husbands, I would just say to you and press hard on you this morning and not ask you if you're leading because that's not the question. The question isn't, husbands, are you leading? 
It's husbands, how are you leading? Because whether you realize it or not, every one of you men, you're leading in some capacity. And if you are the tyrant, then all you will breed in your home is hostility and fear. If you are the passive man, then all you'll breed is rebellious people. If you aren't the compassionate, gentle leader in your home, you're passive. If you're that passive husband, then your spouse or children will go looking for affections in other ways. That's the environment that you will create. I heard a preacher say that you are either creating a greenhouse or a gas house in your house. Men, you control the temperature of your home. And you're either creating a greenhouse nourishment where you are cultivating and seeing growth in your home or you're creating a gas chamber where there's nothing but death and sorrow. So, So... that's, I would suggest, how you men are leading. You're leading in the, one of those two capacities. Ooh. Men, how are you leading? How are you modeling the headship? That's my question for you this morning, men. Not a judgment. I know some of you are like, that is a weight to carry. And I get that. There, there are a lot of these... There are a lot of these points where I'm just like, I don't even want to say this in front of my wife because I don't want her to like hold me accountable to some of this stuff. <laughs> you know? You it's, it's, it's difficult. But it's a calling. Okay. And here's what I know about calling. Yeah. That when God calls you to do something, he's not going to leave you right. to it by yourself. So your view of being the headship of your home should not be a view of overwhelming and overbearing circumstance. It should be a view of God has called me to this. And I know if God's called me to it, he's going to be with me and he's going to equip me. And even when I fail, he's not going to leave me, but he's going to keep being by my side and being with me. So I understand the weight of this seems overwhelming. Overwhelming. And women, some of you, and let me talk to my single ladies here, some of you need to listen to this this morning. Find the man who has a high view of a biblical foundation of marriage. Find that guy. That, that should be uh, your requirements for a, a, a spouse. Someone who understands their role, the Imago Dei, and their role in the marriage. What are we going to need for this to see this happen? I love how, I love how at the center of all of this, and I'm about to close, I love how, uh, in the words of Tony, uh, that's our Pentecostal upbringing. We get three closings, I believe. He may have taken five, but I'm going to just take three. Um, I love how... I love how at the center of all of this, and I would be doing you an injustice if I didn't tell you really the meat of this. The meat of this isn't about your spouse, isn't about just uh, manhood or womanhood or marriage. That's not, honestly, that's not the real point of all of this. The point of this is the gospel. That's right. The point of this is that 
You're going to need grace, and you're going to need mercy. Amen. And the gospel is that he gives you grace, and he's going to give you mercy. Amen. So when you're failing at this, men, God gives you grace. Yeah. He gives you mercy. Yeah. Women, when we're failing, when you're failing at this, God gives you grace, and he gives you mercy. Yeah. So don't beat down on yourself too much. The gospel is here. It's being presented to you in a light that there is grace and there is much mercy for you. Those of you who are failing men, there's grace and there's mercy. Amen. Women, what we need as a man is your encouragement. We need you to be in the fight with us. Listen, if my wife, and I don't know about how your spouse operates, I'm not about to say anything crazy, but, but my wife excels in that. She's always there. She's my top encourager. She is the chief encouraging officer in our household. <laughs> and that's attractive. Okay. And I love that. That All keeps right. me going. So, women... Something that you could do to help your spouse, and I, and I say this with experience, encourage your boo. Encouragement from the, the mouth of your spouse and of your wife is the most flourishing thing a man can hear. You're submitting to him. He's going to make a mistake. That is not your opportunity to go in and say, see, I caught you. I knew it knew you were going to fail at this, you moron. <laughs> Your job is to come in and start encouraging him. Amen. I realize that kind of how problematic this seems for some of you because of broken relationships. Man, if we could do some mirroring of the gospel in our relationships, in our marriages... There's something that the world doesn't get quite yet. But if they can see that the church is doing this, they'll, they'll be attracted to that. Marriages flourish when they're centered and grounded in the gospel. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.